Hey folks, welcome to episode 136 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features my pal Jeff List, who is an ultra runner, um, off-trail navigator, and overall badass adventurer. In four days, Jeff List circumnavigated Mount Olympus by himself. He bushwhacked valleys, navigated primordial forests, forded rivers, and climbed ridges along the way. Jeff spent seven years piecing the route together to go around the remote Mount Olympus without moving on technical terrain, glaciers, or snow. In this episode, we talk about the planning of Jeff's route, route finding, off-trail navigation, finding the spots to ford rivers, and the emotional experience of his adventure. It is an epic experience to have, and I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, you can check out more about um, Jeff on his website, Jeff's Trail Routes. Um, you can find the link to that in the show notes. I just like, before we even begin, I just to s- set the stage. Imagine being alone for four days. And some of that, there is nothing to like guide you other than your own, you know, beta or understanding of this, this area that you put together beforehand. There's like, just being alone for that, that amount of time is quite a unique experience. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. Um, Before we begin, I'm just going to talk a little bit about um, the Daily Stoic uh, podcast and newsletter. It's it's an awesome tool to add some perspective to your life to, um, it's basically a five-minute podcast um, or... um, new daily email so a very quick read and it has the most potent information to help you cope with life and tilt you more towards your version of quality life regardless of what your worldview or your interests are um, there's these general qualities to life Right. Like how we manage our own emotions, how we treat people in our own lives, our self-care, our ethics and principles that um, I find it really effective to have that that in your life. Um, and this is a, a wonderful resource and you can check it out at dailystoic.com. You can go to Instagram, Daily Stoic. Um, and even check out some of Riley's Ryan Holiday's books on uh, stoicism. Without any further ado, here's Jeff List. I met you volunteering at um, 
Wasn't it Destin? Orcus 100 miler. Yeah, and it was Rain Shadow Running's That's 100 right. miler. Yeah. yeah, that was a blast, man. That was we're, fun, yeah. We were literally in like a gazebo for all day and night and like the, <laughs> <laughs> the pouring rain in February yeah. on an island in the Puget Sound. I, I was wearing every bit of clothing I had and you were in your typical shorts and t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you are now in 43 degree weather, yeah. sitting outside. Keeps me awake. <laughs> I need limited caffeine when it's cold. um so could you tell me about what got you into ultra running and um yeah um well you know i was a soccer dad with another guy in Mm -hmm. back in falmouth massachusetts on cape cod and um we both were runners you know we do five mile road races 10k road races we were both you know pretty decently into running Mm -hmm. and um but we also had a history of our dad's taking us to the White Mountains of New Hampshire to go hiking. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one day we were watching our son's soccer game and we were like, hey, why don't we go up tomorrow and go to the White Mountains and, you know, try going for a trail run? (laughs) You know, and this is back when, you know, very few people would be trail running. You'd go up on those Mm -hmm. trails up there and you you could go all day and not see one trail runner. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) What, did you see dinosaurs on there? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) So so, so anyway, so we went up there and we did this loop called the, you know, the Franconia Ridge Loop, which is a classic loop up there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, took us like three hours and we were just like, wow, that was a lot of fun. Let's go next weekend and go longer and we went up and we went four hours you wow know? And, and then i was like wow I, you know if i if i just go slower i can kind of jog through the mountains all day long it yeah. seems like and it just then it just went from there and then then there was a film festival in town that showed us scott jurek movie about western states and oh like, whoa huh wow 100 miles that's crazy <laughs> that's amazing and then i got online and there was actually the internet then. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little after dinosaurs. <laughs> and I got online and and I found this thing called the Hard Rock 100. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> the scenery is amazing. One huge loop through the San Juan Mountains of Colorado. Oh, and yeah. from then on, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So, I, you know, I did a 50K. I did a yeah. 100K. I did my first hundred miler, a flat hundred miler, and then mm-hmm. I did then I did my qualifier at Wasatch, and then I started applying for hard walk, hard rock, and in two years I got in, and that's basically just how it started. Whoa, just, you know. was that like your first like uh, recreational activity that you really like took off on as an adult? Yeah, I would say. Well, you know, all while my kids were growing up, mm-hmm. I have two children. Um, you know, I was doing the, you know, just the road racing kind yeah. of thing, which is, which worked out fine because it's, you know, I could run at lunch, mm-hmm. didn't impact my time with my family. I could go to all my kids' soccer games yeah. and everything. But then once they started getting a little bit more independent, they didn't have to be watched at home every minute uh-huh. and all that. Then I started, that's when I started getting into this long distance running. So Th- That's cool. Could if, if you don't mind, this might be a little personal, but as they got older and you had more free time on your hands... Did you, was there like some sort of sadness there or were you excited because there's an opportunity to adventure more? Um, Because something like the empty nester syndrome kind of thing. Well, at that point, it wasn't an empty nest. Yeah. I mean, I was going to every one of my 
kids' soccer games and field hockey games and all that stuff. So uh -huh. I was constantly around him. So it wasn't any empty nest. I would just like go every other weekend or so up to the mountains and okay, run. Cool. And, and the, you know, I would, I would, you know, I'd take the kids to the White Mountains to go backpacking. Oh, or really? Something. But, you know, they they were. It, I I planted the seed of going out, but they were more interested in their soccer. You know, they were both very good athletes. And yeah. They were on all these club teams and all this kind of stuff. So. Oh wow. So that that was their life, and which I think was great because yeah. an organized sport really keeps them occupied. Yeah. You know? They got all their friends who do in the sport. You know, a full community that they a, show up it's to. It's a great right? thing for keeping the kids on the street. Yeah, I know yeah. <laughs> that is. As opposed to getting diverting into yeah. all those bad things. That's what we're doing with martial arts right now. I really love yeah. the outdoors. It just doesn't really like you know strike with my son yeah. as, as much. And then I think to myself like this martial arts setting or like you know a, a team sport setting kind of um, is very controlled. Yeah, and I can do with that. That's yeah. nice. And, and then I also had this thing where I I really needed to get out there and do something exciting and basically unknown. Like, am I going to finish this race? I don't know. It's the farthest I've ever run. So you like that kind of feeling then? Like yeah, you're, I you're like feeling to be on edge that a little need. bit and and do things where I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Yeah. Not necessarily put myself in you know serious danger or anything, but you know like clambering around the Olympics, figuring out this circumnavigation route. There was a lot of scrambling along ridge lines with cliffs and yeah. you know trying to find gaps through cliff bands in order to continue my route. Oh and stuff wow! Like that. You know, and and I can say it's very dangerous, but. There's certainly the possibility of slipping. Plus, I don't know if I'm actually going to make it when I'm out there. So yeah. I just need to do things that were a little bit exciting and slightly dangerous, although not mm -hmm. real dangerous. So I started getting getting into backcountry snowboarding. Oh, really? And um, and then I started reading about avalanches. <laughs> That's where I'm at. You know, too. I got books on it and mm -hmm. stuff, and. I'd read the book, and my conclusion at the end was, yeah, it's Russian roulette. Mm -hmm, it yeah. doesn't matter. It make a da damn bit of difference what you do. Sure, mm -hmm. you can lower the risk some, but then I'd be reading about all these experts that were buried all yeah, the time. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, oh, this person actually taught avalanche courses, and they actually got in I'm like, yeah, because yeah. it's Russian roulette. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you can't be sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't be absolutely so. Instead of getting deeper into backcountry snowboarding, <laughs> I got into ultra running, and my wife was pretty happy. Wow, about yeah. that, it's, it's, it sounds like a low-risk activity compared to backcountry snowboarding. Exactly. <laughs> That's cool. So there was like, was there a time when, was there a moment where you realized that you had this itch you wanted to scratch to do things exciting, or before getting into ultra running, were you meeting those needs in other places? Um, I was working and supporting a family yeah that's all you could you know, focus I mean, on yeah I, i'm not sure i i had my road races that was some exciting mm -hmm. excitement um but you know i was i was just letting it be on hold for a while yeah you know it wasn't that's so bad cool. i had yeah. great we raised the family had two great kids and because you you just do the balance like so you know really well in my opinion or i really admire the way you do the you did the balance which is like you know family's really important um and it's like, especially with, you know, your kiddos and stuff, they're not, they're only going to be young for so long for sure. and you only yeah. can build that relationship in that right. way yeah. and to a point. And it takes like, I always tell my friends this, like in martial arts, like if I'm competing with other people in something and especially being a single father, um, but just being a, a parent period, yeah. it's like, 
I can only compete so much with you because there's going to be a point to where like I'm, I don't have as much time as you do. Yeah. And I could, but I don't want to because sacrificing that time for this short term goal really misses out on this long term opportunity to have with my child. But how do I also avoid that that fear that I have of someone who raises a child and then the child grows up and then there's this emptiness or I'm unhealthy because I haven't taken care of myself, right, or developed my own character. Yep. So there's a point where I, it's like that middle way of where the, you got to focus on yourself, but there is a lot of focus that needs to be done with the child. Yeah. Um, and then so over time, like, what does that look like? And with you, it just, it seems so beautiful, right? Like almost like if I were to like write it out. Uh, as a story because you know you just start getting into it a little bit and a little bit yeah. and it's you have this emergent like um desire for excitement and thrill and yeah. you've built it out into a way that is very sustainable in your young age and like you're still here doing like crazy stuff like circumnavigating mount baker and mount olympus going up to alaska for adventures like you're living like a life that sounds exciting on paper <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and it really is. And you, if I were to like, look at, look at your, like, you know, your, your age. Right. And if I were to have not met people in like the, um, the outdoor recreation environment, um, I would have thought that that's not, you have to do all that when you're like, you know, a teenager to a young adult. Yeah. And I realized that like, there's so many people where it's like, no, if you're not sedentary, right. Um, or barring any severe accident. No. You can do this for the rest of your life. Like, well, I, yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. I feel very fortunate at 61 to be able to still do this kind of thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean you don't know. I mean, I could blow out a knee next week yeah. on the next run. You, you just don't know for sure when it's going to be over. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know what my identity would be if it was yeah, over either. Yeah. So that, that could be a problem. <laughs> Although I've got a lot of interest. You know, I'd probably mm -hmm. get back into, if I, my legs weren't working, I'd probably get back into whitewater paddling and yeah. crafting and all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. so you know, I'm sure I would find something to do. Yeah. But, um, you find a way to have those experiences yeah, still, but right? Yeah. I mean, when your kids are young, you 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 want to spend time with them you know mm -hmm. i mean if you can involve them in your outdoor activities and stuff that'd be great but like with my kids they were only minimally interested in that mm -hmm. i got them out some enough now that you know both of them like that yeah and want to do it on their own now so mm -hmm. oh, i planted cool. the seed yeah but, but it wasn't like no you're not gonna play club soccer because we're going backpacking yeah. every weekend no mm -hmm. you know they had their own life yeah exactly <laughs> it's a, I had a hard time putting myself in the shoes which teach their own because people have different lifestyles but like you know i have a few friends where they spend a lot of their vacations you know going to like a trail runs or yeah. they even go for like climbing and it's like that's their collective identity instead yeah. of their individual identity yeah. and like I've thought of that and I've thought of the dynamics with my son and I, and I can't do, like, I couldn't do that in good faith with my son and I's dynamics, but thinking of the way that you've handled it, that's the way that I really like to go. Cause that's working for me. Cause like we have things we could relate on, but like my true adventure passion, he doesn't necessarily fully share, no. but I do want to have him experience these things for character development occasionally. Yeah, expose him to it. Yeah. Um, and then respect that and be like, hey, you know, we can we can do other things. Like, he likes to gym climb more than he likes to outdoor climb. And I'm yeah. like, 
breaks my heart in a way not not because of where he's at but it's because like i don't like going in the gym but especially now you got to wear like you know all, all the masks and stuff like that i gotta think about all the other people and it's like oh i just want to be outside it's sunny out but he's happy as a pea and i'm like i want to be you know i want to enjoy that with him in that yeah, way uh, definitely. You know, and respect that relationship yeah. um so like for for ultra running people might might think of um you know racing in these like awesome events like the rain shadows you know 100 miler or um on orcas island or you know the bigfoot 200 um so on and so forth what what does ultra running look like to you like um or what does running in the backcountry look like to you like how do you how do you set goals in relation to that is it all like organized races or um well basically until it got canceled the last <laughs> two years, I've been running uh, the Hard Rock 100 every year. Mm-hmm. Been very fortunate wow, to be in the yeah. veterans group and get in the lottery mm-hmm. basically every year. Um, so, you know, I've signed up for Hard Rock every year, and that's kind of like my benchmark for making sure I stay in a certain level of shape every yeah. year because there's no. There's no going to Hard Rock on muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, no chintz in <laughs> You'll it. You'll get yeah. your butt handed to you so badly if you try to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I know that if I'm entered into the Hard Rock, I will be training on a rigid schedule all winter long, mm-hmm. right into the summer, and I'll be in great shape. I'll do Hard Rock. I'll probably finish because I've I've never not finished, so I probably oh, wow. will finish, and then I'll then I'll be still in great shape to do all my adventuring later in the summer mm-hmm. you know do, you know go to alaska or do one of these circumnavigations or or whatever it is you yeah know, be in fantastic shape so hard rock's kind of like my you know my benchmark i, I guess i'm kind of i love doing the race but it but also it serves as making sure i stay in very good shape uh-huh that makes and, sense. but then then i do a series of shorter races leading up to that just to get tuned up mm-hmm and they're not work because I actually like to race. Now, you know, I'm not going to win any race yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I enter. You know, I'm more of a solid middle of the packer. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, but just the feeling of being out there with a pack of other people. Yeah. You know, I want to catch the person in front of me. I don't want the person behind me to catch me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just motivates you to, to go so much faster and just mm. fly over the trails like you would never do in a training run. Yeah. And I, I like the feeling of, you know, what I call racing, mm-hmm. even though I'm not actually competitive. So that's, and that's <laughs> But I am competitive yeah. because I want to beat the person in front of me. Exactly. That's so cool, though, because I didn't really understand it going into it either, where it's like I only can, for me, I was only able to put in, like, X amount of training, right? Yeah. Um, and if I were to look at my times um, and, and my, my ability, it wouldn't stack against the people who are probably going to come in top three. No. But, like, why am I competing? And then I I have had to, like, I go into a race and not sure why I would compete. And over time, I've learned, like, competing is much more relative than that, it's right? It's relative. Of course, I do also check the age groupings and yeah. see if I see if anybody <gasps> older than me finished ahead of me. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Yeah. I like nobody older than me finishing ahead of me. Yeah. That's my benchmark on how I did. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll take like a certain age group and I'm like, I'm going to compete with 40 year olds and older. Right. Like. right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, you know, I like the, I like the ultra races because I, I like to, 
compete in yeah. my own way. That's cool. And and then I like hard rock because it's an awesome, beautiful race, and it makes sure that I'm in really good shape every year. There's something weird about that, uh, about the um, taking a, a structured, like, uh, public event, right? And once you set that as a goal, it almost, like, forces you into this track, right? And yep. I've had that experience, too, because if I, had like, I want to run Glacier Peak in a day, it is way harder to have that goal where I chose the dates I'm the only one who shows up, yeah. and like, and that's about it. Like, there's nothing that like makes me feel obligated. Well, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the same way with Hard Rock. I mean, I I know what I have to do to get ready for it, and it's mm -hmm. a rigid schedule. Would I do all of that if I wasn't in Hard Rock? Not too likely. <laughs> Although, you know, this that's summer, Hard Rock, Hard Rock wasn't canceled until I don't know. End of May, beginning of June. I mm -hmm. can't remember exactly when, but in April, I I knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and I and I so I, I stopped training for it. I mean I I uh -huh. just I mean I didn't do nothing. But, yeah, but I stopped my rigid training schedule for hard rock. Oh really? Way back in April because I just didn't think the race was going to happen. Did you? And it didn't. Did you have any plans to to do other kinds of like personal goals at the time? Well, at that moment. No, but I still had it in the back of my mind that I was going to be going to Alaska later mm -hmm. in the summer, and I wanted to be in really good shape for that. Yeah. Of course, that didn't happen because I was going to be driving there, and the border oh, was yeah. closed. That makes sense. Still yeah. closed, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. There's a town, apparently, like that's in Washington. <laughs> And then it, you have to go through the border and then back to Washington. They've been, like, not stuck there, but it's been really hard to get back. Yeah, I think you can get permission to go through Canada to get to another part of the U.S. Yeah. But it's a pain. Yeah, it was. Sure. It was like, yeah, you can't have, like, people in your car or something like that. There were, like, yeah. all these different rules that they had to go yeah. through. It's interesting. But So so I want to go to Alaska. But then, you know, early in the summer when they kept postponing the – closure of the border date mm. by another month and another month and oh another my month. Gosh. I was like, yeah alaska's not happening. yeah yeah <laughs> but then i was like well what i've been working on this olympus hey, your son's there <laughs> I, i've been working on this olympus circumnavigation for like seven years oh whoa um you know it's not like i'm out there 10 times yeah, a year yeah exactly on it, but you know i started on it when i lived in massachusetts really i came out here with a full pack with like six days of food ready to do a loop all the way around it whoa you know, flew out here got out of the airport laid all my gear out at the you know the visitor center the uh -huh. wilderness center over there and then went went for it but you know i got my rear handed to me oh really time. so what what, <laughs> you, what what made you want to do a circumnavigation of that um like what introduced you to it um well hold on one second yeah you're good because mm -mm. i could hear it yeah please don't that's not what we're doing we're bored <laughs> Well, well, I had I had come out um, a year before. Well, I, you know, I, I had spent only a little bit of time out here in mm -hmm. Pacific Northwest, and you know, it was beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. And um, so I had come out. I think a couple years before, I flew out on a Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. I got to the Wonderland Trail. I did a nonstop loop all the way around it. Oh wow! Went back to the airport. Flew home. 
was Whoa. back to work on Tuesday. You know? No way, man. That's crazy. Yeah, and at the time, it was the fastest known unsupported time for the Wonderland. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You can look it up. I still have the first oh. unsupported time for the Wonderland. That is so cool. And, of course, it's been broken by, yeah. like, 15 hours yeah. or something like that. But, wow. You know, you know. But That's anyway, cool, so, so I had done the Wonderland Trail. And then I had I had done uh, I believe I'd done uh, participated in the Barkley marathons mm -hmm. at that point, and I was oh. like, you know, well I'm going to combine these two. Why not run around um, Mount Olympus with some bushwhacking around? Yeah. There? You know, why not? So you know, I just looked at some maps online. Actually, at that at that first year, there weren't really there was no Cal Topo. It, it was you know the you know so the the resources were limited. I think I, I got National Geographic topo maps online yeah. or something like that but you know so i looked at a route that looked plausible and i came out and tried to do it but yeah no <laughs> no you got shut down <laughs> seven years later i finally did it though. wow that's wild you know, seven years of scouting you know i the first two times i went there i went with a full purpose of doing the whole loop and mm -hmm. basically got almost nowhere what so what was what were like some of the the key points that were shutting you down there well the first year you know i i, I wasn't living out here so i had, was locked into a vacation schedule and a plane flight schedule and also i just yeah. had to come out here and it had been raining hard just before i got oh, here yeah and the first part of the loop crosses all these rivers mm -hmm. the the ho river mount tom creek the south fork of the ho the Queets River, Whoa. and some of those you're going up them, so you have to cross it like ten times. Oh my gosh! So, wow. but the the water, the rivers were running too high. Yeah, I couldn't ford them, so I figured I'd start the loop counterclockwise, mm -hmm. and that kind of goes up onto the high divide area. But it was snowing up there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> this was like early September. You know? Oh wow! It was snowing, so I was like, okay, well then I'm just gonna bushwhack up the Ho River Valley all the way up to connect to the Bailey Range Traverse. Yeah. And that took me like one, you know, it was only like four miles, but it took me an entire day. Whoa! No you know, way! Because I was just scrambling up and down cliffs and oh, you know wow. trying to find my way through, you know, around yeah. cliff bands and across hitting dead ends, having to go, go back around going across um, avalanche slopes where where the slide alders are so thick that you're you're basically you're walking on bent over trees you don't even know where the ground is whoa no Basically, way yeah it's just a spongy mat of <laughs> trees crazy. that you're trying to get through and you can't even see the ground. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> you know, so man. basically, it took me a full day to get up to this place called Cream Lake. Uh huh. And I camped there, and there was snow up higher. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, go all the way around to the south side where I have to bushwhack for like three days. And yeah. And I don't even know what I'm going to find there. No. So I just came, went back to Bailey Range Traverse and, and ended that. And mm -hmm. then I went up another ridge to see if that would go kind of scouting for the next year. Yeah. And I got up there and I saw this, got up on this ridge and it looked like a beautiful route along this ridge where it would get to a place where I could drop down in the next valley, but mm -hmm. ran out of time. Oh yeah. So the next time I went there, the next year, basically this was like six years ago now, I was like, you know, I gotta get this done now because <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I just did it six years later this year. But anyway, so I was like, so I went out up onto that beautiful ridge back to that same spot. Uh -huh. Went out along the ridge. 
started getting a little rougher and rougher, and then I started seeing tufts of mountain goat hair stuck oh, on wow. branches and stuff. And I'm like, I knew from experience that this isn't a good sign. Yep. <laughs> I can follow the elk trail pretty much anywhere, but not a mountain goat trail. Because <laughs> <laughs> now they've extirpated the mountain goats from Olympus. Altogether. Exactly. But, but now anyway, the route fighting's harder. But anyway, so I... Not soon after I started seeing this mountain goat trail, the, the trail went onto a virtual cliff. I mean, oh my god, I probably could have scrambled it, but the run out went over an even yeah. bigger cliff. Oh, so I was geez, like, no, no, I'm not doing this. So, th so I backtracked. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get down this ridge to the next valley this other way. Went down, down, all in a forest, but it started mm -hmm. getting so steep that I was having to kick steps into the dirt. In Whoa, order to not oh my gosh, I mean, I was like. How can there even be trees <laughs> on the slope that's so steep that I'm kicking steps in it? Yeah. This, oh, wow. this is ridiculous. And, and also, I was running out of water. Oh, my gosh. It was pretty warm. I was like, well, what if I get, you know, a few hundred feet from the bottom and I can't go anymore? And, yeah. it, and it's getting too dangerous already. So I, I had to. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's wild, man. <laughs> so then, so that was year two of thinking I was going to go there and just get it done. Yeah. <laughs> after that, um, you know, my son actually moved out here after that, so I had a mm -hmm. nice base camp to work out. Oh, that's cool. And I just came out here and just worked out chunks of it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I just went all the way up the Queets River and checked out how to go up and down the ridges from there. You know, yeah. And then back down the Queets. So I just did... The rest of the years were were just entirely recon. I had no oh, cool. no idea that I was going to do it all at once. And I had one last section to recon this summer. Yeah, it's um, the connection from Dodger Point to the Bailey Range Traverse. Mm -hmm. And I and I had gone there just briefly the year before, but I didn't have enough time, and I'd gone down the wrong gully. You got to go down the right gully. And then scramble up this spot called Chrysler's Ladder. Uh huh. And if you don't find that spot, it's all cliffs. Whoa. So I went down the wrong cool. gully and oh I was gosh. like looking at this climb and I was like, is that it? That looks too hard. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even have the right shoes on or anything. Oh, I was yeah. like, all right. But I went this summer, you know, like two weeks before I did the whole thing and I nailed that section, mm -hmm. learned it exactly. You oh, know. that's awesome. And um, so then when I went and did the whole circumnavigation, I had previewed just about every part that was questionable. Yeah. And there was only one more part that was a little bit questionable, but it went beautifully. Oh, and, that's great. And um, so the whole thing, almost the entire way was known at that part. Yeah. I, mean, I hadn't done all the trails, but I wasn't too worried about the trail part. Exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I basically knew where I was going the entire way. Wow, that's and, cool. And, you know, and I just cranked it out. Mm-hmm. That and how many days did it ended up taking you? It was you to four days. Four days. Yeah, I you know four very long days. Yeah. I didn't sleep at night. Uh huh. You know, I I had brought food for five days, mm -hmm. but then like late in the fourth day, I managed to get a, a weather forecast on my little Garmin inReach thing, and it said heavy rain was coming. Oh that night. gosh! I was like, you know what? You know, I got down to the Ho River Valley. I had ten miles to go on flat trail. Yeah. It was like. I don't know, eight, eight or nine o'clock at night. Uh -huh. I was like, 
am I going to camp now and wake up to pouring rain and then have to walk 10 miles in the rain? Or I'm just going to walk in the dark till I get out. Yeah, exactly. So I just got out. Oh, and, wow. And I, yeah. got into my, I got crawled into the back of my truck, mm-hmm. went to sleep, and woke up to pouring rain. Oh, all night gosh. Long. Woke up, there was like a flood around my car. You know? oh, was, oh, my gosh. I wasn't near rain yeah. or anything. It was just puddles. But, you know, so yeah. I was so glad to be out. out. But, yeah, so it was. I, I kind of planned on five days, but I did it in four. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and the first first two days were almost 100% off trail. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, and was that mainly going through just like a lot of brush, um, like flat in the bottom of valleys, or were you climbing up onto? Well, both. You know, I would, I would, you'd have to go up and over ridges between river valleys that mm-hmm. were like a, a three or 4,000 foot climb up and down all wow. off trail. And then I get to a river like like the South Fork of the Ho, and I have to go many many miles up the river to get to my next spot where I can go over a valley, oh, over the ridge. So really, you know, going up a, a river for many miles, going on gravel bars from one side of the river, and then the gravel bar is on the other side of the river, so you have uh-huh. to ford it. Wow! And then you come to places where the river goes into a gorge mm-hmm. and you can't just go up the river there's no gravel bars it's just boulders and waterfalls wow and but then what you do is you find which side of the river the elk trail is on oh okay the elk have been there for thousands of years yeah you know where all the best routes are exactly and you just have to find the trail that's cool you know, so you're, you're you come to this gorge yeah and you know you can't go any further you're like so you just you just kind of poke into the woods on one side of the river or another Mm -hmm. and boom there'd be like a trail that looked like a human trail it was so packed wow just going up through the woods up along the side of the hillside to get around this gorge that's really cool and basically on my recon trips i learned which side had the best elk trail oh yeah that's what i was very efficient yeah I, i had put you know waypoint notes that said go leave river and find trail yeah, here <laughs> that's smart that's because so, you could spend you could lose hours doing well, yeah, that right on the recon you know i you know i would have never been able to do it mm-hmm. in the time that i did it yeah i was fumbling around like i did on all the recon trips so because that backtracking is what kills you right yeah backtracking hitting dead ends with cliffs mm-hmm. i mean i basically i was threading the needle a lot of times you know like i'd be going up this this so i'd leave a river and I'd be following like a steep creek, trying to get back over the next pass yeah. to the next river. And you know, looking at the topography on the map, I came to this place where basically said it was flat, and there was the biggest waterfall like oh my gosh right there. Yeah, the map said it was flat. Oh wow! For anybody that goes to the Olympics. Don't trust that. Don't trust <laughs> the, the topo is so primitive there. Wow. Not good. Well, that sounds exciting. No. <laughs> so anyway, you have to find a way. So mm-hmm. not only is there a waterfall, but obviously there's a cliff. Yeah. With it. And so, you know, on my recon trip, I had gone back and forth along the base of this cliff and found a cleft uh-huh. that went diagonally up and went through. Wow. So, that's crazy. You know, on my GPS, I knew where that was, more or less. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, just do it. Yeah. Like spending hours looking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're not able to do any preliminary research on a topo like that. Like, you could spend literally hours looking for that. 
Because, yeah. like, some of them, like, on, like, a cliff le- or, like, a cleft like that, like, those aren't always super big and obvious, right? No, no. It actually, you know, it kind of went diagonal, so it was just like a, a crack. So from, from afar, you wouldn't really even see it. Yeah. Whoa. So, but I knew it was there because I had been there before. I knew there was a way up this cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but then, I, you know, I had one of my my biggest crisis on the whole thing, you know, and they say that, that um, stories of adventure in the mountains really aren't that good unless you're facing death. Because <laughs> otherwise you're like, yeah, it, it went fine. You know? Yeah, exactly. No real problems. What yeah. am I going to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> so kind of embarrassingly, my biggest problem on the whole loop was that, you know, I'm, I'm navigating with this, you know, GPS software on my phone. Yeah. I, I use Backcountry Navigator. A lot of people use Gaia. Mm-hmm. But anyway... It's got, you know, my previously discovered track on it, mm-hmm. and it's got topo maps and everything, and I'm I'm basically following that. I mean, I have map and compass, too. Yeah. But, you know, if I had to just use the map and compass, I wouldn't be able to do it in five days' worth of food because I'd be uh, fumbling around again yeah. because it's not accurate. Yeah, wow, that is crazy. <laughs> so, so, you know, the topo is just so inaccurate. That's... You cannot find your way through yeah, with you're the You're basically topo. blind, wow. So, but, you know, so I'm following this track on my phone, and I know full well you shouldn't fully rely on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did have the GP, the, you know, the map and compass yeah. backup, which would make, I could get out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would no, you know, no worries about that. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be like wandering in circles or anything, but I wouldn't be efficient anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I get to my first camp the first night, and basically I was going up the river, va- a river valley and just waited till it was just about totally dark. Because I, I really can't bushwhack up these river valleys in the dark. Yeah. You know, I have oh. to see where the gravel bars are. <laughs> exactly. I have to be fording a river up to my, you know, up to my thighs. Oh, wow, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not doing that in the dark. No, anyway, thank so you. Just right at dark, I come to just this beautiful, flat, mossy spot uh, yeah. to camp with the river right nearby. Ooh. So it was perfect. But then I, I'm going to bed, and I plug my phone into the power brick I brought, uh-huh. and it, it wouldn't charge. Oh, no. <laughs> I was wiggling the little thing, and, and occasionally the charging indicator would flash on and then go off. And I'm like, oh, oh no. no. And I'm down to like 40%. Yeah. I'm never going to make it. <laughs> so, so anyway, I take out my mini Swiss Army knife, and I, 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 I adjust this little prong in the in the charging hole. Oh, no way. <laughs> and then I stick the, the, the plug in, and, and if I held it, you know, if I put it in just the right position and made sure I didn't even touch it even the slightest bit, yeah. it would charge. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that for three nights. Oh, my God. <laughs> and after the day that I got out, mm-hmm. it wouldn't charge at all anymore, even doing that. Oh, it was wow. Done. So it just worked just out. held through wow <laughs> just enough that's wild <laughs> were you were you comforted after that first night of fixing it because no, so- <laughs> it was so tentative i mean i would put it in that position and if i even, like breathed on it <laughs> it would go off yeah. and charge <laughs> it wouldn't charge oh no 
<laughs> like I said, when I finished, I couldn't get it to charge no matter yeah. what I did. Oh, so gosh. basically I was just, you know, going home on a, a phone that was rapidly dying. Yeah, oh gosh, <laughs> I'd be shitting myself all the way to the truck. <laughs> so but like I said, I wouldn't have died. Mm -hmm, yeah. I just, you know, it probably would have taken more than five days. Yeah. I had five days of food. I bet that was going through your mind too. It was like... I was like, yeah, basically the first couple of days, there's a few places you could turn around, go down to mm -hmm. River Valley and get out pretty easily. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was just thinking, you know, if my phone is dead, am I going to keep trying to do this or mm -hmm. am I going to quit? I, I don't know. Yeah. I kept charging. So, I kept so you get, yeah. And that was just enough to keep you going on. So once it was charged, like, okay, this is okay. Yeah, it would go all day long without, you know, recharging. Yeah. Pretty good battery life. But, um, yeah, it just was so tentative. So that's, that's probably my biggest challenge on the whole thing. Other than that, it just went fantastic. Like, oh, wow. My feet held up. My legs held up. Oh, that's great. You know, I had done some pretty serious training for this thing. You, you know, did? Once I knew I wasn't going to Alaska, Hard Rock was canceled, everything. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I threw a 45-pound backpack on my back and went up four or 5,000 foot climbs all over the Cascades. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Repeatedly. Yeah. Until my legs were like not having a problem with it yeah. anymore. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and so you were able to be pretty consistent with that despite not having a, um, like a, a organized race to go to. Well, I knew this Olympic circumnavigation would be very hard. Yeah. So I, it, that was plenty of motivation to train. Seven years on your chest, right? Or seven, six years, yeah, right? Hanging over my head for <laughs> yeah. seven years. Yeah. <laughs> and my final, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be training. <laughs> yeah. So I trained pretty hard for that. Oh, you that's know, great. I didn't really do a lot of running, but I just made mm -hmm. sure my legs were strong enough to climb. Yeah. You know, and when I went out there, I didn't have a 45-pound backpack. It mm -hmm. started, like, at 24 pounds, and oh, that really? was with all the food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it was... It didn't feel like much at all. That's great. After and so, carrying the forty-five pound pack. And so that's what your plan was: is you're going to carry your pack that or train with a pack that was heavier. Yep. So then, when you have one with lighter, it's going to feel more yep. comfortable for you. I kind of got inspiration for doing that from being in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, mm -hmm. where they have these series of huts, yeah. White Mountain huts, there, and they have these people, males and females, called crew. Yeah. And they um, they haul seventy pounds of supplies up to these huts all the time Whoa, you know, thousands yeah. of feet up these rocky trails of the huts wow and then when they're not hauling supplies up to the huts they're running across the mountains like they're nothing wow. and they're setting records they're that's you know, they're cool. doing these tra amazing traverses amazingly fast you know? yeah and they're just and then they're not ultra runners even they're just very strong wow weight up a mountain mm -hmm. so you know i didn't i didn't really want to carry all that weight down the mountain so yeah I dumped a lot of gallons of water on the top of mountains. This <laughs> I would haul, you know, I'd have gallons of water in my pack. Yeah. And when I got to the top, it was out. Just dump it all out. Yeah. <laughs> dump it all out and then run down. I might have to try that because, like, I, <laughs> I could very much see see the the utility of that, but then like. It'd be very hard for me to not want to enjoy the fun of running downhill. <laughs> but if I could bring water up there, right. I could just dump it out and be like, "Hey, I did what I planned to do, but right. I gotta go run." I didn't, I didn't need the, you know, the super weight going downhill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I spent, I did, went out quite a few times doing that this summer, and and then when I did the Olympic trip navigation. My legs were bomber. You're just, just able to put it through the whole time. Oh, that's great, man. Trouble. I mean. It, the last that extra 10 miles on the last day did hurt a little bit yeah <laughs> not, not too bad well, how many miles do you think it added up to overall 
Oh, God, yeah. You know, I haven't really... You know, it was something like 80-some miles or something Holy like crap, that. man. About wow. 24,000 feet of gain. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. And the challenge that you have going around Mount Olympus, isn't doesn't the ridges, like, um, don't they taper outward from the mountain in, yep. like, in almost like a radial fashion? Sure. Is, it, is that fair? Um, on the south and the east side, yeah. On the, on the other side, it's a little different with the Bailey Range. Mm -hmm. It's 11 o'clock. You got to go do school still, buddy. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that's that that's a challenge on the part with no trail. With, is yeah. It's it's all these radial ridges that you got to get up and over. Uh huh. Uh, on the okay. north side, there's this route called the Bailey Range Traverse, mm -hmm. and that's kind of more like a ridge that parallels that goes around mount olympus no way yeah whoa that's yeah. really cool yeah it's really different huh yeah so there's this huge valley there's the ho river valley and the bailey range traverse goes along that and then it the bailey range traverse turns and goes south whoa it, I, I guess in the south part it does connect to mount olympus a bit mm -hmm. but, um it's more like you know it's not it's not like those radial ridges on the north side that's really cool so that must have been an interesting or a fun and interesting experience to be able to like to follow along that ridge then oh yeah the bailey range traverse is awesome is i mean it? it's 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 um a known it's what you call a known route mm -hmm. and so there's usually a track you can follow that's beaten in by people yeah okay um you know, occasionally it'll bifurcate and you're not sure which way to go and you'll go the wrong way that many people have gone the wrong way and then you have to scramble back to the right way. But, mm -hmm. you know, so there there is a little root finding, mild root finding, and there's a few gullies that are a little bit scratchy and, mm -hmm. you know, if you slip, you'd probably die, but yeah, they're only class three. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. great. So, yeah. you know, it's class three with a little exposure. Yeah, exactly. But, but anyway, but it's a, just an amazing route that basically wraps around the north and east side of Mount Olympus oh, with wow. views of the whole Olympus Massif most of the way. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to check that out. I'm really excited to, to kind of explore that area a little more. Did, yeah. Do they have like, so when you're on the, the south southern aspect, yeah. like is there a portion on the around your, your trip on Olymp or around Mount Olympus that's like very remote? Because when I look in like maps, I always thought like the heart of the Olympic National Forest, like there's there's no road access to get into it's remote. these parts. <laughs> it's not Alaska remote, mm -hmm. but it's pretty remote. I mean, the, the place where I started, the Ho River, um, river trail yeah. basically that's that if you just want to talk about the closing the loop itself that's mm -hmm. only two miles from the start of the loop yeah wow two miles on a trail to the start of the loop uh-huh the loop never actually hits a trail oh I mean, wow yeah wow never hits a road whoa that's um, so cool but, so the, the olympic you know the ho river trail is only two miles before you get on the loop yeah wow but everywhere else and all my recons on all the other sections it was a minimum of 18 miles before you're even on the loop. Whoa, yeah. no way. And some of those were like off trail for 18 miles. Wow. At least 15 miles. I mean, way that's, off trail. That's, so, that's really committing Yeah, so the, that. the whole rest of the loop, there's no, you know, unless you had an amazing support team, there's nobody that could help you. Yeah. They would have to, you know, hike in an entire day uh -huh. just to get to where you were. Wow, You can't man. leave supplies for yourself unless, you know, you leave a strong box that, yeah. you, you know, that you went a week before and 
did a, a, a two-day hike in and out to leave, you know, so there's, oh, wow. there's, you know, so doing it unsupported is, is really the only feasible way to do it. That's wild, yeah. man. So, like, on your, your second and third day or somewhere right around there, you're really in the thick of it. You're in the thick of it um, on the very first day. Wow. Because you go up the whole river for two miles, mm -hmm. you leave the trail, you cross the whole river, now, now I'm going up Mount Tom Creek for miles, Whoa. you know, completely off trail. And then I'm leaving Mount Tom Creek, which is relatively easy, and going straight up and down this 3,000-foot ridge to get to the next river valley, the, the South Fork of the Ho. Oh, so my gosh. You're, you're as remote as can be in, you know, a few hours. That is so cool, <laughs> man. Across all these rivers and everything. I mean, yeah. I worry about that because if, you know, something happened, you know, it'd be very difficult for a rescue to extricate me. But very not difficult. enough to quit. Because, like, I've had worries that were, well, I've had, like, worries that weren't real where, like, if I fall here, you know, like, I, I can get really hurt. I guess they are kind of real. But, like, I'll talk myself into making the, the, the thing that I'm scared of a lot bigger than it might actually be. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll retreat. And that doesn't always happen. But I, I think of that as like a um, a, a force of pressure. There's or, this feeling. Yeah, when I do any of these There's kinds of things. There's a feeling when you go into wilderness and it's a cumulative thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you could go, you know, for three hours off trail into the wilderness and you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You go six hours, you're feeling... Much more isolated, <laughs> and you start, you know, there's kind of an accumulated scare that yeah. goes into it. An accumulated feeling of being isolated totally from society, being in a situation where if you get hurt, it's going to be extremely hard for people to get to you. But what you really got to do is just say, well, how hard is the next step? Mm, yeah. <laughs> just do the next step. I like that. There's no problem with the next step. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about all the shit that you did before and all the stuff that's to come. You're yeah. safe right now. That's good enough. Right here, right now. Yeah. That's cool. I like and, that. And, but, you know, I find I have to do that, especially if I'm doing a route where it's very, you know, scrambly. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I generally don't do more than a solid class three scramble by myself. But, you know, if you're doing that for a long time with lots of exposure, you yeah. just... You know, you can feel your stuff start feeling this accumulated mm -hmm. scare. Yeah. You just have to say no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, that part I got to do right here is no problem. Yeah. I'm not worry about what I did before. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, of course, unless you're worried about going back, but yeah. I'm not sure that I can go back when I come. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't climb cliffs that I don't think I can down climb. Yeah, exactly. You know, make sure they're easy <laughs> enough. So. Yeah. And, and I'm right there with you on that one. And that, that's interesting, though, that you that you say that, because, like, how I have with downhill, like, running downhill, right, um, my mind only goes to the next step, right? Because yeah. yeah. it's like, you know, you're, it's almost like a controlled fall. Right. But in well, these... then you have to be so focused if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> take a major dive. And for me, it's like that, that thing, and I don't know if it's, like, the situation or if it's my personality, that's automatic. And then there's these other times when you're talking about like that cumulative fear yeah. where that one takes thought and strategy to right. be able to cope with. And I still like going there, though, for some or yeah. not. I don't like I'm drawn to going to, to what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Where even like, oh, like, you know, you're three, three hours off trail and you're like, oh, it's kind of fun. And then six hours and it's like, oh, I feel really alone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Interestingly, <laughs> on the Olympus circumnavigation, 
I felt that way more on all the recon trips. Whoa. And this time I was just like, bam, bam, yeah. bam, got to get it done. Following a route. I've been here before. Mm -hmm. I know it goes. It wasn't really a whole lot of that isolation feeling. That's cool. I mean, I still get that when I go to Alaska and go wandering around yeah. way off trail. Uh -huh. Then I get that major isolation feeling. But yeah. um, didn't really have that much. I get. I guess I'm getting more and more accustomed to mm -hmm. being out there. Because that's kind of what I feel as well is like, I would have some some a little bit of like when I would feel those feelings, I would like I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. And I realized talking with people like, oh, it's something that you just kind of get used to and you build up to. And it's like this yep. like confidence thing, I yep. guess. And yep. I but see still it. things can go south so quickly, though. Like, you know, what if I just broke my ankle? Yeah. Because I turned on a rock or something like that. <laughs> I'm totally immobile. Uh -huh, yeah, I'm exactly. not going anywhere. You know, then then I'm. I'm relying on my device that I push the SOS yeah. button on. <laughs> Hopefully a signal gets through. Mm -hmm, yeah. I mean, in the old days, you would just die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you would. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> now we can rely on these devices, hopefully. Yeah, you know, exactly. They do, they do rescue a lot of people. I mean, you still want to be absolutely sure that you've got, I mean, I, They've got plenty of gear to survive yeah. for at least a couple of days before they find your sorry ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you but, mentioned like something with the backcountry um, uh, snowboarding though earlier, yeah. and it was like that kind of that place you like to be in that place where it's like all of it, like a lot of things rest on your shoulders, and like it's a very serious situation, right? Yeah. Um, and, and like there's something that's interesting now where. If I weren't able to take care of myself, right, or if I made some, like, yeah, if I weren't able to take care of myself, um, maybe financially yeah. and even, like, cleanliness-wise, um, there's a lot of things that will, that will intervene along the way, right? People in my life, I can go get services. Yeah. Like, there is an actual, there is actual consequences, but the consequences aren't so dire. It's not fun, but you probably won't die. Yeah, and like, and that's where I get with a lot of things in life. Like, I thought about that a lot. Like, here's a here's an example. Um, if I were gonna go and pack for a trip to go down to the Oregon coast, and we're gonna go and stay in a hotel and hang out on the beach, if I forgot to pack something important, um, just go get another one. You know, I can go get whatever I need along the way. Yep. I could figure it out. But if you were to go and do your, you know, your traverse, and imagine if you didn't pack, like, your battery bank. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. like, it's, like, it's really important to make sure you have everything dialed in. And if yeah. you don't, like, there's real, like, it doesn't even have to be real physical consequences. Like, you're going to die. It's, like, felt consequences. It's almost the same as, like, when you're, you know, you're, you're driving in a car and you're, like, this is pretty safe, you know? Like, you're staring at, like, a, a glass screen at the whole world as it passes by. My son, no anxiety at all. We're just driving in a car. Get on a street bike, and you're like, oh. <laughs> right. You're like, all your senses are completely alive. And, like, yeah. the there is a little more risk in a street bike, but the perceived risk had changed. Totally. And that's where, like, you have these experiences where the perceived risk and the actual risk changes. And if you don't, you know, if you don't make the appropriate decisions, you could probably a long time ago have died, Right. But because of the way that you think and your process, you've reduced that a lot. Like you're not you're not a dumbass, right? Like, um, and you're very uh, strategical in 
packing and preparing, yeah. right? You do spend a whole year planning it. Yeah. You don't have to spend like a day planning it. You spend seven years or <laughs> six to seven years reconning something yeah. to make it happen because like it literally takes that amount of effort to make it work. And if you don't put that amount of effort in, it's just not going to happen. And in yeah. life, I don't feel like there's like these days um, in like conventional urban life, I guess. Yeah. You don't have a lot of that kind of opportunity, right? Even if you yeah. start a business, like if your business goes down, you should file like, I know it's not this easy, but you can file bankruptcy. Like no one's going to come here and take everything away. Right. But in these situations, it's like, it's really all on your shoulders, man. Yeah. yeah. You could, you could be in big trouble. And I like that. So <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, cause I don't want to, and like what you said is like, I'm not like interested in like soloing fifth class stuff or even like doing fourth class stuff with extreme exposure. I like third class with exposure because I genuinely don't want to die. Like, right. I, And I don't want to put myself in a situation where by chance I didn't die. I want to put myself in a situation yeah. where I've controlled most of the variables, not all, to prevent myself from getting injured. Yeah, right? that's why I don't like tangling with avalanche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's too much random chance there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where I admire. Like, you could say when you're doing this Olympic thing, you'd be like, Wow, you just like, you know, your relationship with death is like, you don't really, um, you're not afraid to die, right? And it's like, well, that's not the case because of the avalanche thing, like, that's unpredictable. No, I'm quite afraid to die. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty safe. I mean, what it, what it sounds like I'm doing things that are very remote and dangerous, but, you know, I'm, I'm one of the safest yeah. people I go, go out with. I carry, I carry more gear than most people mm -hmm. do. I plan things out very carefully. And because um, all those things are in your control, right? That's like, right. And that's what I find is interesting. You're putting yourself in this situation where you feel a certain way, but the reality is, is it's pretty controlled and you're pretty safe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's largely controlled as far as whether I'm going to die or not. Mm -hmm. but there's still the random chance for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I could be walking, you know, traversing along a very big, steep, grassy slope. Mm hmm. And a rock could come down and kill me. Yeah. I mean, a friend James Farner was walking on the Cam Traverse at Hard Rock, which is this huge, steep, grassy slope with this amazing trail cut oh, into it. Oh, yeah. Handling. And a rock comes whizzing by. Oh, <laughs> God. Whoa. You know, it's coming down. It would just kill you. It hits you wrong. Oh, my gosh. You know? and, and that's on a grassy trail oh, on yeah. a grassy slope. You know, there's cliffs up above and stuff. And Wow. So there's, there's still, you know, if you go to the mountains, there's random chance that can take you out. Yeah. You know, but then there's also, the, you know, it's I think it's more likely more people will get in trouble because they didn't prepare mm -hmm. well than a random rock comes down. And that's exactly what yeah. I mean. It's like you kind of, you really got to prepare well for these things. And I yeah. take my son out a lot. And that's what I think about is like, like I have a lot of responsibility here. And it's like, well, of course you do. You're a dad. Like you're yeah. taking care of like a yeah. kid and you're responsible for him. And it's like, no, I have a lot of responsibility out here. When I was telling you about that backpacking trip, yeah. like I got to watch for tides. <laughs> like I got to make sure they get like to, you know, the camp and like, and so they could sleep. Cause like if he's too tired to like, you know, walk to camp, like, and it's, you know, us, like, that's kind of... the kinda, tide comes up and you're on a cliff. That's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's good. super concerning. But, like, you know, here, like, if I'm, you know, struggling in any which way as a father, like, I can't ever get to that part where it's, like, really serious now. Yeah. Like, it's, like, concerning and maybe sad, 
but like not like oh my god you really have to be like on it yep. not because he's gonna die it's just because like things are gonna get really rough if, if yep. not you know and i appreciate those moments because that's like very character revealing and it's not reckless where i feel like Right. You know, I tell my son, I don't know if we're going to die one day. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, but I've had people who've, um, my friend, like Ed um, Kenny, he talks to me about his son, and they do a lot of outdoor things, you know, when his son was a, a boy. And, like, he's like, yeah, my son was climbing without ropes until, like, 5'8". And I'm like, what? Yeah. And he's like, because he's not, like, a climber, but it was that, like, that kind of personality that his kid had where he's, like, you know, climbing trees and, and yeah. pushing those boundaries yeah. and stuff. And I'm like... And it's just, it's very interesting how you can, the outdoor space provides like a, a lot of space for dynamics to play out amongst people. Yeah. And you really figure out who you are and what you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. But yeah. And was there, um, what was your favorite spot on the Olympic Traverse? Like um, for, for camping and for, for a hike? My favorite like, spot was when I reached my truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, there were, uh, you know, I think those, I, I, I think it's the, the deep, trailless, old growth valleys mm. that are, are my favorite spots. I oh, mean, whoa. sure, you can get up high, and, the, and my traverse did get up high mm -hmm. with beautiful views of the glaciers and all that kind of stuff. But what makes the Olympics so special is that not only does it have that, but it has the deep, untrammeled valleys with old-growth trees. I mean, I'd be wandering through these huge old um, spruce and fir. Really? And, you know, I would just be standing there, and I'd hear an elk bugle. And a like, hundred yards away would be this massive bull elk with this huge rack. Just wandering through this oh, primordial old growth forest, you know, that's cool. with moss everywhere and everything, and then I'm following their trails, you know, Whoa. in order to figure out how to get through tough spots. They're, they're the ones that show me the yeah, way. Yeah, that's you know, so, so rad. Like, you know, that's that's the thing that's the most special. I mean, that's you know, that's probably the most special thing about the Olympics to me. Wow. You can find high alpine areas, mm -hmm. you know, all over the Cascades. Um, but if you go down into the valleys, deep down, chances are they've been logged. You know, wow, yeah. not everywhere in the Olympic, in the North Cascades mm -hmm. National Park, but you know, and that that's and like in Europe, the mountains are just the Alps and everything are just spectacular yeah. and beautiful. But you go down into a valley, there's going to be a refugio or mm -hmm. you know a farm with goats all over oh, the place. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, it's, it's populated down there. Yeah. Whereas in the Olympics. It's totally unpopulated. No, yeah, on wow. all these valleys on the south, the west and south side, all those valleys. There's trails that, that except for the Ho River Trail, the uh -huh. other rivers don't really have trails going very far up them at all. Wow. So you get up in there and you are in a just an amazing place. That's cool, man. Wow. And is it like in those places in those um, like the deep valleys with the old growth? Is it like? often super brushy in there or like or a lot not. of ferns often not whoa just really walking through ferns or even just on moss wow uh, so no, it's not it's not nearly as brushy as people would think that's so i mean cool. sometimes it is mm -hmm. and sometimes it isn't but on the whole it's pretty wow. easy going it, i think they have like the largest mushroom species ever found there and it like really? covered well the mice because the mycelium structures like oh, yeah. the thing 
um, and the the mushrooms, the fruiting body, right? Like apples on an apple tree. Right. But they said it was like more than like a bigger than a football field. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, that must that? be. I didn't know wild. it was in the Olympics. But yeah. yeah. The mycelium can spread forever. And that's what I wondered was like we have. We, we have a lot of really interesting valleys here, but over there, it seemed much more like a rainforest, right? Oh, it's totally a rainforest, and, you know, it's not logged. It's wow. just the way it was. That's so you know? cool. So that's, that's what I like about it. That's, you know, more than any other place. You know, Alaska, yeah, there's, sure, there's a lot of unlogged valleys there, mm-hmm. too, but, you yeah. know, the trees are just these stunted spruce trees. Oh, really? Well, it's a pretty extreme climate. Yeah, that North. makes sense. So yeah. it's not like, you know, a beautiful old growth rainforest like we have here in the olympic national park wow so you know there's other places that have amazing old growth forests like the redwoods of north northern california yeah. and all you know but they don't they don't also have the mountains no exactly have. so the olympics have both the high alpine mountains mm-hmm. with glaciers and the amazing that's so rainforest. cool and if you were to look at like you don't have to do any like specifics or you can but like is there a specific um, valleys in relation to Olympus or Mount Olympus that um, has a lot of really cool old growth, off-trail old growth worth checking um, out? Y- y- yeah, yeah, I mean... Is it just that south area? No, yeah, so so for, the first river that I had across was the Ho River. Uh-huh. That has a trail going all the way up, and then that's how people get to climb Mount Olympus. Okay, yeah. Um, but then the next river is Mount Tom Creek. That's no trail, old growth. Ooh. All the way, you know, for miles and miles and miles up. Wow. Then the next river is the South Fork of the Ho. There's a trail that goes a little ways up into it, but most of it is still completely untrained. Oh, wow. And then you go over another ridge and you get to um, the Queets River. Mm-hmm. That is a trail going a little ways up that peters out, and then it's just totally old growth Whoa. trail. So, yeah, all those rivers. Oh, that's are cool. Just like that on that <sighs> side. You know, and then you get to the other side, the Quinault. The next river over that has a trail going up it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the the low divide traverse. Yeah, that was the traverse that the uh, press expedition first did when they crossed the Olympics. Oh, really? In like six months. Holy crap! <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow, man. Took them six months, and this was like before any. This was like one of the last blank spots on the map. Whoa, really? And they got all this this huge expedition going. They started over on. Port Angeles side, mm-hmm. and they started up up the um, shoot. What's that? The Elwha River, mm-hmm. and they <laughs> they brought boats. You know, <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> they thought they were gonna go all the way up this river in boats. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> well, that didn't last very long. Yeah, because they hit waterfalls and everything. Yeah, exactly. And so then they were like with mules and you know going on hill slopes whoa and, you know before they built the trail it's just uh-huh. a steep steep just hill side hill and st- mules would be rolling down oh the my side God. Of the you know anyway and they'd have to be you know they'd send a scout ahead to try to find the best way and it took them like six months to get across the olympics wow yeah. that's such an epic wow yeah and now and now people do that same route for fastest known time and i don't know how many hours yeah but exactly not, you know less than a day Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. I love talking with Jeff List. He is such a wild adventure, but not so far removed from any of us, right? Like, there's a clear path for you to be able to go out there and explore the unknown territory and have your own adventure, whether it's perilous or calm. It's just beautiful.
and you probably really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's just it's so incredible to know that you can have like these these big um, experiences out there that you know feel very very intense and very real. I would always think when I was a child that adventure was really limited in the modern world. And I realized that like, you know, adventure is is relative. What's like new to you, it might not be new to somebody else. And like, just because you can see something on a map, right? Like a satellite image, you quickly realize when you get into like orienteering and trying to figure out, you know, how to move over terrain without a trail to guide you, but you're but only to be able to use like a topographic map and like your beta from a satellite map and, and, you know, and, and all of these things and, and like for past trip reports, you realize that like when you get out there, there's a lot of like uncertainty, right? It's almost like an illusion that, that you can kind of see and experience everything. I even think about that with, like, Google Earth, you know? It's really cool that you can, like, virtually explore somewhere. And I was afraid, like, oh, people would just want to do that, you know, which teach their own. But for my own self, I'd realize that, like, watching a 360 picture on the top of a summit from a climb that I'm planning to do in the summer, um, that didn't just take away all the mystery for me. It had nowhere near the true experience of being out there. And... It didn't really help me in much in preventing me from getting lost or having some degree of uncertainty or fear. You know, it's like still that true element of like, there's potential Jane danger here. I'm responsible for myself. And like, if I don't do all of these things to the best of my abilities, like I can be in a truly dangerous situation, you know? And yeah. And it was cool to listen to Jeff try to piece together this big old like, you know, ambitious goal of trying to circumnavigate Mount Olympus. And it's interesting the relationship that he develops with that trip and project and and just trying to eke out his own potential. The guy's a beautiful character, and I'm so happy that he was able to share a story and I got to spend some time with him listening to it. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. I'm going to play you out with a track called Gold by Kunika, which is originally Rabbit Wild. It's an awesome folk band out of the Pacific Northwest. And if you'd like to support the show, head over to Daily Stoic and go to the website, dailystoic.com, or go to find them on Instagram, sign up for their email list, or maybe subscribe to their podcast. Same information, different delivery method. You got a five minute quick, you know, um, quick uh, <laughs> content to listen to or some actionable content to read. And it's it's powerful. It's effective. I mean, it gives you actionable things that you can use to change your life and things that you can even think on that help shape and, and change your perspective. If you'd like to uh, find more about Jeff, you can head over to his website, um, Jeff's Trail Routes, which I'll link on the show notes. And you can <laughs> find him on Instagram, Jeff, or at, um, at Jeff List. I think it's, let me look. Um... Let's see. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Let's look. It's Jeff 
list. Jeff Jeff dot list dot nine. Cool guy, worth the follow. Um and you can even go to the website becominghumanpodcast.com to find some cool photos from his trip. Um <clears throat> And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Ship alone